everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. How do you decide where to go? Or how do you decide when you want to go a different direction? When I first started to learn to drive, I was, um, let's go with troubled. I'd never driven anything before. And so my dad decided we'd start driving lessons on a golf cart. Now, I'd already done all of the driver's permit work, so I'd been in the classroom and learned the rules of the road, but it was time to get behind the wheel. So my dad takes me to this golf course, and we get going. It's a muggy, kind of like overcast day after school, so later in the afternoon, not many people were out, and the attendant at the court was super confused when my dad said we didn't actually want to play golf, we just wanted to drive around— But she didn't ask any questions, so off we went, and I find myself in the golf cart, dad's coaching me, and things are going great at first. But what my dad didn't realize was that unlike my younger brothers, I'd never driven an ATV at a ranch, I'd never been golfing and gotten on a cart in real life, I'd I'd never really found myself with any opportunity to sit behind a wheel. And it was fine until we started going down a hill. And the golf cart starts going faster and faster, and there's this turn approaching at the bottom of the hill, and I'm getting clearly very nervous, and my dad starts saying, break, 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 break. And in my panic, I'm hearing him say break, but I forget which pedal is which, and so I just pumped the gas over and over again as hard as I could and did not break. I didn't turn. I just kept going full speed ahead. wasn't my best. I was probably 15, very unexperienced driver, and I proceeded to plow down a wooden golf ball cleaning stand with this golf cart. And uh, luckily, my dad was able to put the golf cart thing, the golf ball cleaning stand back up. We fixed it. It was fine. But I did plow it over. I wasn't able to change direction. Now, the golf cart, it was fine. It was all right. But in a real car, or on the street where there's other people, that wouldn't have been okay. And in a similar way, in our real lives, if we aren't able to receive direction and then change our direction, we've got a big problem. When we aren't able to be flexible or change directions, damage ensues, our hearts are hardened, and we might even hurt other people in the process. Flexibility is a requirement in the life of the believer. Think about your own life. Most of us hate change. So when something or someone causes us to have to change directions, maybe it has to do with a project at work, surprising behavior from your kids, a dating relationship, or even physical health, how do you respond when you get different direction? Said differently, how do you respond to change? Are you eager, resistant, bitter? Do you fake it till you make it? What's your attitude? In today's chapter, we see a lot of change. Paul meets Timothy. He invites him to join him on these missionary journeys, circumcises him, which probably would have been very interesting given Timothy's age at the time. And then they head out on this journey. But as they're traveling, God redirects their steps. They were headed in one way, and God called them to go in a different direction. And I think there's a lot we can learn from these two examples of change. There's, number one, a young guy Timothy, probably in his late teens or early 20s, uprooting his whole life to travel with Paul, and then the team of two, Paul and Timothy, navigating change and new direction as they went about their journey. 
So at the beginning of chapter 16, we meet Timothy. We'll call him Tim. Here's what you need to know about Tim. He's from a place called Lystra. Think southern countryside of Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey. Now, if you're anything like I was in high school geography, you're going to need to look at a map to even have a clue what I'm talking about. But that's okay, because we're all about to be on the same page. Timothy's from Lystra, which was a city that was deemed a Roman colony about six years before Christ because it was on a major trade route and the emperor wanted to make sure the trade route flourished. But the thing about the city was that it it wasn't super big. It was what was called a market town for the province of Galatia. And at the end of the day, it was sparsely populated. I kind of like to think of it as a college town. A small town, but when games are happening, things get pretty crazy as travelers come through. But at the end of the day, it's a small town. And that's where Timothy was from. Now, what was unique about him was that he had a Jewish mother and a Greek father. We know from other passages that his mother and grandmother likely led him to the Lord, but ultimately he became Paul's protege despite not having a believing father. And the Bible Knowledge Commentary said this of Timothy. Because of his good reputation, Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, probably as a helper as Mark had been. There was a problem, however. The Jews to whom Paul would be preaching the gospel would be offended if a man with a Jewish mother was uncircumcised. So, Timothy was circumcised. Apparently, he had been uncircumcised because of his father's influence. But if you think back to when we read Galatians, Paul had refused to let Titus be circumcised. So now, here with Timothy, they full send it. Why? The commentator continued by saying the situations were different. In Galatians 2, the issue was the method of justification. Here, it was a question of not giving offense. The Jerusalem Council, of course, had determined circumcision was not necessary for salvation. In Acts 16, Paul acted as he did for the sake of the ministry. It was a wise move, which is honestly fascinating because as Paul and Timothy were traveling, they were updating people with that news from the Jerusalem council that you didn't have to be circumcised, but they made this decision to more effectively reach Jewish people. And at first, things were going swimmingly. Acts 16, verse 4, Timothy's uprooted his whole life, small-town kid, traveling with Paul. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. That's the Jerusalem Council. Verse 5, so the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Things were going great. Timothy's uprooted his life, but he gets to spend time with Paul. They're seeing fruit, result. Churches are growing. It's awesome. But then things, well, they change. Verse 6, they're in a new region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Verse 7, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. So here's what's happening. The commentator puts it like this. God's guidance was at first negative. Evidently, the two guys, they first attempted to go to the western province of Asia. Again, think western half of modern-day Turkey. And in that area, the leading city was Ephesus. And then they tried to go to an area in the north, eastern Mysia, and tried to enter Bithynia. But again, they were prevented from doing so by the Spirit of Jesus. 
Now, how these hindrances were accomplished just isn't stated in the text. It may have been circumstances, a word of prophecy, a vision, or some other phenomenon. But at any rate, God planned for people in Ephesus and Bithynia to hear the gospel at a later time, the commentator concludes. God redirected Paul and Timothy. At first, things went well. But ultimately, after this redirection, the guys end up in prison. And I just can't help but wonder if Paul and Timothy doubted God's faithfulness. I mean, first of all, they followed God's leading, the Spirit's direction. And I think that's definitely worth noting because these directions didn't seem to be the most logical. And second, when they followed directions, things got crazy. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave them orders to beat them with rods. Verse 23, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But the craziness of being beaten and thrown into prison didn't mean the directions were bad or that God wasn't at work. I mean, you keep reading and the jailer is converted. God was at work when their plans seemed to be unraveling. God calls us to trust him with our next step or really each and every step of faithfulness we take. Maybe the results will look like Timothy's initial experience or maybe things will be really, really challenging. But either way, Our circumstances don't negate God's willingness to work in and through us. God calls us to obedience even when it might cost us. He calls us to be obedient even when it seems illogical. And he calls us to remain faithful when things seem out of control. I don't know how Acts 16 intersects with your life. Maybe maybe you're in a season of change right now and you're living your best life. Or maybe it's filled with doubt or fear. Maybe you need to bunker down, praying and singing hymns to God. Who knows what he will do? I definitely don't, but I know that we can trust him. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe, because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.